another enticing episode of Wrestling Gigs Alliance. Featuring Jane and Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Fink. Um, Just to let you know, I have a last name. When you say it like that, Fink, it just makes it sound like me and Chris are literally brothers uh, with both of last name Patton. So work on that. You're fired. Get out of here. All right, anyways, hello, guys. It's another amazing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance where we talk wrestling every week. And, uh, I mean, we weren't here last week. Uh, Both myself, I'm the one who initiated it, but Chris agreed with me. We were both swamped with work-related stuff, and uh, I actually had um, a tragedy, and it just did not work out well. Um, But we're back this week talking a bunch of wrestling. And speaking of actually, since I brought it up, um, not that my buddy Nathan Vice was a wrestling fan, but one of my good friends and probably one of the best musicians I've ever met, uh, Nathan passed away last week from a motorcycle accident. I kind of wanted to just dedicate the show to him. He's a free spirit and a good dude and the closest thing I'll ever meet to James Dean. So uh, rest in peace, Nathan. But um, yeah, I don't want to be, uh, you know, start off on a somber note, but obviously that's on my mind. Hope everyone's doing great. Everyone's having a good time. And if any type of bad things happen to you, no matter the size or whatever, I hope that we got, you know, me and Chris can relieve some of that and, you know, put some uh, happiness in your, in your hearts, if you will, through audio. Uh, anyways, uh, let me talk, or let me talk, let me stop talking and uh, let my wonderful partner, Mr. Christopher Patton take over and, uh, kind of intro us and start going over the news. Chris, you there? Yeah, man, I'm here. Hope everybody's having a uh, good week so far. I know we're doing this on Thursday, so but I, I hope you guys are catching it live anyways. Um, oh, yeah. First thing we're going to talk that. about... <laughs> yeah, man, it's, we're out of whack. Um, first thing we're going to talk about is uh, SmackDown remaining live on Fox, and this large large-ass contract WWE has signed. Um, basically, what we found out is NBC, a.k.a. USA Network, is retaining the rights to Monday Night Raw, um, which is basically rumored for five years at $265 million for the renewal of Raw. Uh, that was that was uh, brought to you by The Hollywood Reporter originally. And uh, with their new contract deal... Um, for the blue brand, SmackDown, so to speak, is just north of $1 billion. Um, so basically what this comes down to is a haul for, for the company in general of $2.35 billion over five years. Basically it was reported that behind the scenes negotiations on how the Fox deal came up is that Fox basically stated, you know, NBC is embarrassed of wrestling. They don't promote it the way that they should. Um, Fox basically said uh, the actual quote was the elder Murdoch insisted NBCU was embarrassed by your product. Fox, he said, would fully embrace WWE with their SmackDown promos airing across sports programming every night of the week, along with weekly studio show on FS1. More than that, the deal uh, Murdoch told McMahon during a private call at the end of the meeting would herald the marriage of the Murdochs and the McMahons rebel outsiders who had built media empires. McMahon's father, Vince, took over WWE from his father in the 80s. A little bit of knowledge between those two deals of, of uh, 
Lacklin taking over his father's emprise and Vince taking over his father's emprise. And then outside sources, an outside source also said that they couldn't sell, uh, they couldn't sell the UFC at Fox, uh, says a former staff member and wrestling. It's family friendly. If you have wrestling, you can find cash. I think it's a big win for Fox. It's a great trade off. So I guess my overall thoughts on this is, do you feel like NBC in some ways is embarrassed of a wrestling product and how do you feel about the quotes from Murdoch from Fox and the overall safety of Raw, even with the looming XFL? What do you think, Dane? Well, let me tackle the XFL first. I think they need a flatline that shit. Uh, mostly now because Vince's ex-partner in the XFL is starting up his own league before him. So either they can use that as an example to carry on or not carry on, but I don't know if there is already another competitor, um, what they would do with that. But then again, you throw Fox in the mix, the fact that they might have an option to be able to go there with it. It's very interesting. I find it all very interesting. I find it interesting that Fox is interested in wrestling, not so much UFC anymore. Now ESPN's getting UFC, but regardless uh, Murdoch um, is going to be acquiring a lot of money, whether it come from um, Viacom um, or Disney, who are buying the rights to their movie properties so they can condense and just become a news and sports-related uh, entity. Um, you know, I think that obviously he's going to make these advances. Um, I think it's awesome for SmackDown. I think it's great that it's going to be on network television again. Uh, we haven't had that since, like, what, the 80s? Um, when it was on primetime. So that's good for wrestling. It already has a built-in audience, and I think that Fox is well aware of that. Uh, so, you know, it comes already with viewers, with ratings that are good enough for the network, for a primetime show. Um, it's going to be on a Friday night, which does not have a lot of competition, and people will still watch this. And we're finally getting to that age, and I think that we were talking about this a year ago, Chris, where the standard rating system is not dropped, but it's not, it's kind of presented. They, they start, they're now starting to take more into DVR uh, recordings um, than just like live outcome on ratings and stuff like that. They're starting, they're, they're much more receptive of that. I would say with the network television, with at least the networks, the, you know, your NBC's, your CBS, your ABC, your Fox, um, all of that. I know that it was on CW and UPN, at a time period when UPN became CW and whatnot. Still not network television, so this is really good for SmackDown. As far as the statements about NBC being, I, I think that makes sense that they might be embarrassed of wrestling. Um, they don't give it a lot of publicity, but if I am interpreting what you said correctly, if it's coming from Murdoch's mouth, I don't know if that's 100% viable. Like, I don't know if I would just, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So you said that, so that means that, it, that that's how they felt, but I mean, I can see that. I mean, it, but with all the crossover potential with Fox, I think that's a huge thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is all good. Um, I'm just wondering, and I'm sure you're kind of like this, Chris, is what the hell is going to happen to Raw? I mean, I think Raw will always be steady just because they're always going to build that as the primary brand. But if SmackDown starts doing better in the ratings, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you see a shift of talent in a real hard way where SmackDown oh, yeah. becomes the heavyweight brand and Raw becomes more of your indie brand. Um, the one thing 
about Raw is it's always going to be on Monday nights, which I think is still a better slot than Fridays, uh, especially with the age range they generally named SmackDown to. I think this is the big problem with SmackDown when it was on Sci-Fi when it was on Fridays, uh, is it hurts them in the ratings as far as your TV ratings go. Um, but with the conversation of DVR and the Hulu watching and uh, the Hulu watching, the Hulu watching, um, no, but the people watching on Hulu and across other media uh, stream, things of that nature, that the, the ratings don't necessarily equate to what they used to in the same manner. Uh, I think it was interesting for Murdoch to pitch it the way he did. I think the it's very Murdoch underlying thing the underlining thing with this with NBCU and how they even kept Raw is that I think that stuff branches across to Total Divas as well as the new Ms. Marie show and Total Bellas, and they already have contract deals worked out there. So it would have been an awkward situation to drop all wrestling from you know, NBCU, which would be NBC you know, slash USA and slash other conglomerates. I think the weird thing that I got out of the quote from Murdoch more than anything else um, was there's going to be a weekly show on FS1, and I, I just really wonder what that is going to be. Is that going to be, it says it's an in-studio show, is it going to be just wrestling-related news recapped? Is it going to be something similar to what Sunday Night Heat was? Is it going to be, you know, WWE main event, um, something of that nature they could move? Is it going to be something like 205 Live? Uh, are we going to see a show that gets a weekly time slot on, you know, FS1 not being a major cable network, but definitely one that a lot of people, I think if you have a, you know, a normal cable package you're going to get. It's interesting to think about. Um, I don't know. The whole thing is, is it's a huge deal for WWE. It's a lot more money than they were making on their previous TV con- contracts. Um it's definitely increased their stock values. Those those kind of went through the roof. And, and overall, I mean, it's good for WWE um, to the point where they're bringing in new wrestling talent already. A lot of people from the UK that we talked about on the previous show and then also uh, some major Japan signings, which are coming up in the news a, a little bit later. But uh, it's just interesting to look at the business model of this and, and then hear, you, you know, Fox can't sell UFC, you know, on a primetime show where WWE can now. Uh, the term family friendly came back out there. So for everyone that thought this move could potentially move WWE into more of a PG-13 type uh, of momentum, if it was put on FX or something like that, I don't see that happening. I don't think that is going to be the case. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where the show lands, whether it lands on FX or whether it lands on normal Fox. If it lands on normal Fox on a Friday, you're opening yourself up to viewers that do not have cable, which is still a thing, believe it or not. There's lots of places that yep. just use air. Um, and that is they're probably going to be their main source of entertainment in general on a Friday um, as far as TV goes. So you're talking you know, three to four channels. Um, it could be an increase in ratings. It could be a decrease. Usually it's a decrease the first at least month or so because people don't know what the hell channel it's on. Um, and then they figure that out pretty quickly, at least as far as the past has taught us with it moving from, uh, you know, USA to TNN to TNT to Spike and then back to USA. There was always a dip off when they make one of these switches. So uh, as far as the company goes, uh, you know, they're always going to be on the air. I don't think you have to worry about that unless things just go to complete shit. 
And the XFL thing, I think this gives Vince more of a cushion than he probably expected. And it's going to be interesting all around. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts? My, my, I kind of want to like just talk about um, two things. First thing, and they're both involving Raw, actually, uh, when this initially happens in a year, what stars, maybe just a couple of them, Chris, that you could see potentially going over to SmackDown to really, you know, they're obviously going to put a lot of work in SmackDown. I'm not going to say that Raw's not going to be the A-show anymore, but maybe they're both going to be A-shows in concept. Um, and also, with that, um, you know, with Raw, do you think that once that contract's out, is that going to move to Fox 2? Or, you know, with all these comments about NBC not being embarrassed and them owning USA, are you know, is that is that relationship still going to stay there? Or as soon as that's done, Vince can be like, peace out. Hey, Fox, help me find a network for this, if not putting it on Monday nights. Because I believe, I'm assuming they would have to change things up because I think, I don't watch sports, but I'm assuming Fox premieres a lot of football and stuff related like that on Monday nights around the same time slot. But I'm just wondering where Raw's going to go once that contract is done. I, have, I don't have an answer to that. I have, I'm assuming that it would go with Fox in some certain way. I don't know how they're going to remold it. But as far as superstars, I actually like to see, I've already kind of, laid this out to you. I don't think that they have to make it so all the big guys are on one show and all the smaller guys and SmackDown's more of the wrestling show because technically now SmackDown needs to up it in the entertainment factor and have some more um, you know and, and maybe Raw needs they both need to be wrestling wrestling driven but I understand people out there especially newcomers don't really give a shit about that. They're they're going to get collude and hooked by crappy storylines and stuff that I can't stand but that's not that's how things are, especially on network television. So I think for one thing, Seth Rollins needs to go to SmackDown, personally to me. I don't think he should be with the IC title by then. Um, they keep Daniel Bryan on there, keep AJ on there. I could even see them technically – this is going to be crazy, but I could see them sending Braun Strowman over there too. Um, Seth, I definitely think, will make a jump. Um, there's just so much for him to do over there. Uh, especially we haven't seen AJ and Seth who are arguably, you know, I love Daniel Bryan, but as far as that style of an overall, an all around guy, jump off the ropes, do crazy stuff, jump outside, uh, is amazing on the mat in the ring, strikers, you know, all around. I would even put, I don't know if I put Seth where Daniel is now. I'll just say that. And to me, you can do a lot of stuff with that whole entire lineup and still have a lot of your premier players over on Raw switched over. We also have to realize that within all of this, I know I'm, I'm taking forever and setting all this up, but uh, um, NXT is going to set up a lot of people. And I think that two guys that could fill the spots of, say, a Braun Strowman and a Seth Rollins is Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream, who I think will be ready by then. Um, I don't think Keith Lee is going to need a hell of a lot of time. Maybe by all this, he could be a SmackDown player. I definitely think that The Rock should be at the 20th anniversary and really kind of start promoting this this jump and also come on the premiere on Raw or on uh, on Fox. It has to do – I mean, I'm not going to say SmackDown was called SmackDown because of his saying. It was, and it's not like The Rock's network, but I always thought about SmackDown is The Rock, 
Monday Night Raw is, is Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's how I've always perceived it. Maybe that's not how everyone does. But going back to it, who's some talent, maybe from NXT, from Raw, that you could see going to SmackDown to spicing it up? And uh, what do you think is going to happen to Raw once, I'm assuming it's going to happen soon, once that contract's done with NBC USA? Well, the contract for – they re-signed with NBC, so they should end at the same time. So we're looking at five years out. Okay. As far as I know, I think that's that's basically what happened is that you know I SmackDown no is idea, moving honestly. and basically SmackDown is moving and Raw is staying on a separate network and it's NBC was ex- basically NBC was expecting to keep both of them for ten years and this thing split to two separate contracts for five years. So NBC was basically selling them short originally of what they thought this company was worth. Um, and the rumor is a five-year renewal for $265 million. Um, and then, you know, WWE is rumored to be five years just north of $1 billion. So the SmackDown brand is considered the highest, is actually the A brand as far as money goes. So with that being wow. said, we're not privy to what the contracts are and what's written into those contracts and what stars are tied to those TV deals. Uh, it could be a situation where, hey, we're paying you way more money, so move everyone over to SmackDown, or at least all the wrestlers that Fox thinks are huge draws. Um, I agree with a lot Actually, of the people. Do you, you, said. Do I, you I, think, before you keep on going, because I'm going to forget about it, and I know we should probably go to another topic after this, do you think NBC could possibly, move, if, if they think Raw is valuable now, that all this is getting shown to them, that after five years that could be gone, maybe they put that in prime time and put it on NBC? It's possible. I mean, it depends on else is out there. Um, five years is a long time from now, so I don't, we don't know what New Japan is going to be doing. We don't know if Ring of Honor is going to get bigger. We don't – I mean – in theory, WWE is going to be the thing, no matter what. Um, but if Fox is going to give them $1 billion and they make Fox money during that time period, I would say when NBC's contract's up, they probably won't re-up because they've kind of always been embarrassed of the wrestling. Um, I don't think that's a far-fetched quote with what he was saying. I think that's uh, very realistic of what actually goes on uh, with WWE in a lot of cases. You don't if you have USA and you watch other shows on there, you're not going to see a ton of promotion for wrestling, um, especially not like on NBC. Uh, on USA, you get a little bit more, but definitely not on like Prime NBC. We're not they're not going to show a commercial for WWE's paper, and if it happens, very rarely. Uh, which I thought was an interesting comment by Murdoch, and, and the fact that they're investing this much money into it, they see it as hey, we're going to make money off of it. Uh, and, and none of these I'm just pulling out of my ass. This was reported by, you know, Hollywood Reporter, as well as The Wrap, so pretty reputable sites, not, you know, not The Time or, or The New York Daily Post or anything like that, but definitely people that would have contacts with Fox and, and NBC at a high level. So it's interesting. I think um, with SmackDown, what I would try to do is get rid of – I want to say bring in someone like Braun Strowman, um, get some of the bigger name guys that are kind of stuck on Raw. Um, definitely do not replicate like we're going to bring in Brock because we need Brock here. I think getting Ugh. 
Brock there for the 20th anniversary would be good. I would say, you know, do what SmackDown is doing, but at a higher level and bring up guys like Ricochet and Velveteen Dream and build a fresh new brand um, with, like, Daniel Bryan there and AJ Styles there and maybe a Seth Rollins or a Dean Ambrose. Um, And then, you know, let Raw still be your big guy, big entertainment spot, three-hour show or whatever. Uh, because I, I, you know, that's how I would build SmackDown, because I think SmackDown right now has been more about wrestling, and I think people still lean more towards SmackDown, especially the indie fans that are going to stick with this brand, no matter what channel it goes goes to, or, or the diehard fans, not indie fans necessarily. Uh, I would keep Samoa Joe on SmackDown. I would try to make it a list of dream matches that I could think of on my current roster for the first year until the next shakeup. Uh, and this is starting in 2019, so it'll be during a shakeup. It'll basically be right after WrestleMania. They can do whatever the hell they want. Um, that's going to be a very tactical decision. I don't like I said, there could be things that NBC has written into a contract where we specifically need John Cena to only be on Raw, or you could have a. a you I don't know how those go. Um, there's definitely things written like that in TV contracts in the past where it's like, hey, if this person's not going to be there, then we don't want any part of it. Uh, a good example is, is Spike saying they didn't want anything to do with Russo. Like, that's well known. They hired Russo, and then Spike dropped, you know, TNA. So there's implications to those contracts that's not always about wrestlers. It's not always about who's writing the show. It could be about who's writing the show. It could be specific wrestlers. That stuff I don't think we'll ever be privy to. But I, I would say that they're going to build younger on SmackDown and probably give Fox the better product just because they're giving them the most money, and that would make the most sense. Yep, I completely agree with you. Um, it's just going to be interesting seeing how this works out. I, I don't understand. I mean, I guess I just don't understand. Like, I don't know NBC's lineup, but really, if they're going to be called out like this... Um, I would assume that's going to have an effect where they go, oh, shit, if we don't have, you know, Monday Night Raw in USA, like, this is, especially if Fox hypes up SmackDown, which I think that they will potentially, um, there's, there could be a lot of egg on their face, so maybe they'll move it to something else. Um, I just hope that Raw doesn't disintegrate or anything like that. Like, I still love Monday Night Raw, and uh, I want to st- still see it do pretty well. Although I do agree with you, uh, it's just going to be a very interesting time to see SmackDown probably take the lead as the big show. Um, but yeah, I guess with all that money they're going to be making, Fox wants to try some stuff. I just I, I find it funny. I find it funny um, that you know UFC kind of took the place, especially with myself and a lot of wrestling fans of WWE. I think that even though the roster was ridiculous at the time. Around 2005, 2006, there was a big drop with fans right before the announcement, I think, of the PG era. During that time period, I was watching just UFC, and that was at the peak of everything. And then they had their turnaround. Now they're getting dropped and getting replaced by professional wrestling. And a lot of their past you know, fighters, uh, their draws, if you will, are either wrestling fans or they're trying to get involved in wrestling or they were from wrestling like Brock Lesnar beforehand. So just strange how things work out. River will be facing off against Gunn for the UK title. Um, some of the matches have been filmed already. 
the rest are scheduled for the Download Festival on June 8th through the 10th, which seems like a really cool deal. Um, the winners of the first-round matches will advance to Royal Albert Hall, where WWE will be holding a UK-branded shows on June 18th and June 19th. I'm assuming that those, at least out of the first round, will be on the WWE Network. It will probably have some kind of companion on the WWE Network, with similar to what they did with the, w, uh, the women's tournament, where they kind of gave you a rundown of each of these wrestlers that may not have been involved. And... Uh, Right off the bat, just the tournament bracket on one side, we have Zach Gibson versus Amir Jordan, Drew Gulak versus Jack Gallagher, Flash Morgan Webster versus James Drake. Well, I want to apologize for all the listeners. Um, you're doing the same thing that you said that I was doing. I heard pretty much everything that you said, but if I sa- do I sound like I'm underwater? Yes. I think Chris? Yeah, I think you're still having some problems. Yeah, your side's doing it too. So I took off my headphones and make sure it wasn't them. Uh, that means that it's the free, it's the actual it's blog talk that's doing this. Um, so I'm kind of at an awkward place um, where I don't know what to do because I don't obviously don't want this audio to sound like this the whole entire time for you guys listening out there. Obviously, um, oh, it just it fixed itself, maybe. Talk yeah, again. just did I all of a, did I go all of a sudden fine? Yes. So did you. That's really awkward. Thanks, Blog Talk. I'm glad we pay you guys money every month. Uh, anyways, sorry <laughs> about that, guys. Uh, Chris, just in case, I, I know that you just went over it and I heard everything, but can you kind of like wrap up what you just said about the UK tournament again? Sure. The competitors on the left side of this tournament bracket are Zach Gibson versus Amir Jordan, Drew Gulak versus Jack Gallagher, Flash Morgan Webster versus James Drake, Tyson T-Bone versus Jordan Devlin, on the right side, we have Tucker versus Joe Coffey, Dave Mastiff versus Kenny Williams, Laguero versus Travis Banks, Ashton Smith versus Joseph Connors. And the beginning of this is taking place at the Download Festival. Gulak versus Gallagher was already filmed, so if you want to look up spoilers, that's out there. Um, and the winners of the first-round match will advance to Royal Albert Hall, where WWE will be holding UK-branded shows June 18th and June 19th, which probably will be the conclusion of the tournament. Those matches, I'm assuming, will be on the NXT network uh, after this first round. Uh, off the bat, I think you're probably going to get probably Jack Gallagher and James Drake in the final. Um, and then one of those two pushing through on the right side of the bracket, I see probably Joe Coffey going all the way and probably Joe going against Pete Dunne in the final. I could be wrong. They could go Jack Gallagher versus Pete Dunne, but I, I'm pretty sure they're going to go with Kofi versus Pete. So that's well, my guess. You know, we, we kind of brought this up. I mean, you, you know who I would like to see advance the whole entire way is, is Joe Kofi. I'm kind of wondering uh, you know, I have no clue if it's because of WWE, but he's, he's I watched a match with him from not too long ago. I think it's a couple weeks ago uh, for progress, I believe. And he didn't have the makeup anymore. And I just don't understand. I feel like it's a Vince thing. Like, you know, Finn Balor doesn't do the demon anymore and stuff like that. It's like, I love face paint. I think it gives like, you know, some type of mystique that, that a lot of people just don't do that as much. And especially if, if this whole entire involvement with, WWE possibly purchasing progress and uh, the other, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but the other uh, big promotion over that they work with and airing their stuff through the network. If that's a possibility, you know, 
someone like Mikey Whiplash, I would not want him to stop doing his makeup and stuff like that. You know, it, it seems like Goldust is the only one who's allowed to do that. I don't know. I could be wrong. Weird thing to think about. But if I look at this list, you know, honestly, I know you said Jack Gallagher, but even though Drew's not from the UK, I could see Drew Gulak taking out Jack Gallagher in that first round. Um, I think that you're absolutely right with James Drake being the person to go against. It's got to be, I don't know, because, I mean, I know Jordan Devlin. It's it's kind of it, it sucks uh, any of our listeners that I'm only going by who I know. Uh, I'm sure some of these guys that you're saying no, it should be Zach Gibson. I just don't know Zach that well. I'm sure I'll get to know him with this whole entire tournament. But to me, it's either going to be Jordan Devlin or not Jordan Devlin, <laughs> James Drake going against either Drew Gallick or Jack Gallagher, whoever wins that first match between them. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jack Gallagher. Maybe I'll just I'll be safe with that because I don't think they're gonna let someone advanced the UK tournament too much, but I could be wrong. It just seems like Drew Gulak's place there, and he was hyping it on uh, 205 Live. Um, on the other side, uh, yeah, Joe Kofi is going to pretty much – maybe Travis Banks. Maybe, yeah, maybe him and Travis Banks end up, and then Joe Kofi beats everyone and will be the winner, and then he'll go against – Pete Dunn, and it's going to be a fantastic fucking match. Um, but Pete Dunn will still win and retain that title. Because I like Pete Dunn. I don't know. Maybe they'll put on Joe Kofi. Pete Dunn needs to go to... Actually, now that I'm thinking about this, he needs to go to Maine. I think that he could be just fire on either Raw or SmackDown in a very good way. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll put it like that. Uh, Joe Kofi wins the whole entire thing and beats Pete Dunn. It's a bold statement, huh, Chris? I think that's, you know, I honestly think that's a good assumption. It gives you a way to get the title off Pete Dunne. It also sets up the fact that they've signed a bunch of these people, James Drake being one of them, um, who was recently signed, as well as Joe Kofi, was in contract negotiations. I'm pretty sure he signed, as well as some other people from that we talked about from uh, the Nice Beat Up. So it's a very good chance that might happen, uh, if they're, especially if they're building to an all-UK TV show. Then again, I mean, if you want to build around someone, Pete Dunne's not a bad person to build around. It just depends on whether True. they feel like he fits the main roster or if they want him to be the anchor for whatever thing they're doing in the U.K., which I'm assuming is going to be some sort of territory uh, show. Maybe, hey, maybe it's even the show that's going to be on FS1. Who the hell knows? Um, <laughs> but it's exciting. I hope Joe Hendry makes his way over there. I really like him. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be more talent. I mean, anyone that's currently part of the ICW TV tapings, I think might get. I think that whole. It's possible that entire federation gets bought, um, and just, yeah. just consumed by WWE at this point, based on the fact that all like six of their major superstars were signed by WCW, or not WCW. That that'd be fucking weird. Uh, WWE <laughs> the past uh, past month or so. So. Uh, the other big news, we have CM Punk and Colt Cabana versus Chris Amon in a defamation case. This thing is kicking off. It's not a wrestling match. Uh, this goes back, yeah. obviously, to CM Punk basically shooting on the entire WWE uh, on the Colt Cabana podcast. It was the first time he had talked since leaving WWE, basically quitting WWE. Um, basically, there were no cameras outside the courtroom. Um there were some Twitter feeds. There, there wasn't a crowd in the galley. In fact, Pratt 
said he was the only person in attendance uh, while there, so it was kind of a low-key event. Uh, the jury heard an entire ep- the entire episode of the podcast in question Tuesday, including all of the plugs, etc. And Pratt said he was unsure of how long the trial was going to last, but that both sides were very thorough. From what he heard, Pratt said he expected Amon to return to the stand on Wednesday, basically talking about how he felt like his reputation was damaged, etc. Um, Pratt said Brooks was serious and attentive for most of the day, but did appear visibly amused and laughed a bit at some parts of the podcast. So basically CM Punk had some giggles. Um, uh, the weird thing about this is this is all going on uh, right before Mr. CM Punk has set face, uh, face Mike Jackson at UFC 225 Saturday, June 9th, which isn't this Saturday, but next Saturday or the following Saturday, I should say. Do you think this affects CM Punk in any way, shape, or form going into his first uh, or second UFC match, his first return since his loss? And uh, how do you feel about this lawsuit in general? Do you think this thing ends up settling out of court? And also, how do you feel about the fact that Colt Cabana has been drugged into this and probably doesn't have the money to actually fit, like hire a defense to go against someone uh it's backed by the WWE. So those are just a couple of questions I have out of this thing. So uh, go ahead and take off. Well, I was happy to find out. I forgot who was talking about it. It might have been Brian Alvarez. Um, you know, the fact that this is not – I mean, yes, he's using WWE lawyers, but this is not WWE-fueled. I was confused about the whole entire lawsuit to begin with. Um, honestly <laughs> – I've heard the podcast before. If you're going to go on, I understand staff infection, I think, is, is what he was talking about. I kept on complaining about that and it didn't get – I don't remember exact details. I haven't heard the podcast in a couple months. But if you're going to go on air and complain about something, sorry, that, that's – to me, it's CM Punk's fault for doing that. Uh, I don't know if I'd be laughing in court about it either. Uh, I can see where the doctor's coming from where, you know uh, – his livelihood could be jeopardized because I'm assuming he's a sports doctor and that's what he does. And if there, if he's saying that basically he made some bad decision, he was lazy, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I wouldn't be too happy about that. Um, it sucks for Colt Cabana to be involved in it, but then again, if he understands, you know, if he airs it on this program and stuff like that, that could happen. Uh, defamation of character is something that's serious and it's a lawsuit that not all the time, uh, Fair, I guess you could say, but with this, it's like, you know, I understand that he was hot, he was mad about it, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying CM Punk shouldn't be uh, trying to piss off any doctors with him going back into the UFC next weekend. Uh, he should try to make friends with as many as he can. Um, that's a joke, but uh, I don't see his UFC career going further, and I think that CM Punk uh, is a man that mans up to shit, and he won't blame it. But this could have a bearing and could be also an excuse maybe even by the media of why he lost because he just got out of this huge lawsuit and blah, 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 blah. Either way, I, I feel like Punk's, you know, he's made quite a bit of money. He's probably paying for a majority of, of Cole Cabana's stuff as far as legal work. Um, take a settlement, get it over with, and move on and learn. I mean, I, I really don't know what else I could say about it. Do I think it's 
It sucks? Yeah, but I mean, regardless if this guy works for the WWE, he's a doctor and stuff like that. If you kind of slam him, even if you're right, you didn't take any legal steps back then to produce any evidence to make sure that you, you know, that this guy did malpractice. So if you're going to go and slam him in any type of way on air, and if he took a hit from it, sorry, that's, that's duh. I, I don't know. I mean, do, am I looking at it in weird eyes, Chris, I guess I could say, uh, I, you know, I, I just feel like I understand how legal stuff works. I think the big thing about this, what it really comes down to is what CM Punk's actual proof of this malpractice was. If he did really see two different doctors that basically told him that he would have died and they can physically prove that in a court of law, it's going to be really hard to prove a defamation suit against someone that almost killed you, no matter what you said. That's very true. Uh, in the eyes of a Chicago jury. It really depends the jury. It depends on how far this thing goes. I think it gets settled on a court because it's bad for both parties, honestly. But if he really did get other opinions from other doctors to the point where at one point he was going to file a malpractice lawsuit, and that may still be coming, I don't know. Um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting time for CM Punk because they're going to ask these questions on why he said these things, and he's going to have to produce these doctors, these documents, where he was coming from, witnesses possibly, uh, to prove his case in court unless they settle out. Usually when it, when it goes to the point where it has an actual jury, this thing is going to go on. Um, how long it goes before it settles or they come to a settlement, who knows? I, You know, the thing is, is like, I don't know what they're what, – Bond's asking for money-wise. I don't know. Uh, I don't even really know. Like, CM Punk was just the host. He wasn't really in any way defamating on the WWE or anyone that worked there, as far as I remember on the podcast. So his role in it is really weird. Cole Cabana, you uh, mean? Yeah, Cole Cabana. Uh, sorry. I mean, Cole Cabana was literally asking questions as an interviewer, so for me, he should be just excluded from this entire thing anyways, other than having a public platform. That would be like if we had someone on here and they shit all over someone, even though we didn't ask them anything about it, <laughs> and then we got called in the court, that would be kind of shitty. So, so wait, from the are you saying that because of our interview with Ken Shamrock that we can get sued by CM Punk right now? I mean, possibly, if if CM Punk thinks right. that we... Sorry, Punk, you, you deserve know. to win. <laughs> but uh, you get what I'm saying. It, it, when it comes to yeah. you're actually conducting an interview, and whether they're friends or not, at some point a podcast with a guest is a form of interview. It's a sports interview. He could have done that interview with Chris Jericho. He could have done it with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He chose to do it with his yeah. friend at the time. I don't know how close they are. I know they had a falling out. Um, I, a couple, at least a couple of years ago, from what I recall, after that podcast, it's probably based around this lawsuit. Would be my guess. Uh, but all that shit aside, it's weird. Colt Cabana is even involved in it. You're not, like, I don't know how much money you think you would get from Colt Cabana, <laughs> um, or if they were trying to get him to flip the test pie against Punk or what the hell ever. It, I don't know. Court's weird. Uh, and I, by no means am I a lawyer, but. I'm going to say that this case will get thrown out the window if 
CM Punk does show up with documentation that he almost died of a staph infection due to malpractice of this doctor and him wrestling in oh, yeah. the WWE, which would just turn out a huge lawsuit for CM Punk against both this doctor and the WWE. So this thing could get nasty. Um, then again, it could just make CM Punk look ridiculous if he doesn't have any of that and he just made shit up. Uh, which none of us are going to be privy like to until it just comes venting. out. If he was just venting and he went to a doctor and had a infection and it wasn't life-threatening, uh, things could get really, 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 really gnarly uh, in this court case. But I don't think that's the case. Uh, it's prob- Like I said, it's probably going to settle unless yeah. CM Punk has cement, you know, cemented the fact that this this actually was what he claimed it to be, which from the details of the story, that would be really, really hard to make up. If you've listened to that podcast, specific details, specific matches, um, the popping of this infection in the locker room. Uh, there's some, some gory details that go on behind this thing. And uh, it's, it's punk. It was punk cutting a promo, but uh, it was more of what I would think is a shoot than him just, saying shit to her oh, he was feelings. And if, I mean, if he really did, if he really like could have died from this, then I could understand why he's pissed. And I think a jury would as well. Um, especially a jury that's ever been affected. Like, you know how they call up, I don't know if you've ever been to a trial or got called in for jury duty. It's going to be half and half. So the defense is going to pick half the lawyers and the, you know, I don't want to say offense, but the prosecutors are going to pick the other half. If six or seven of those jurors have someone that died due to malpractice or had lawsuits due to malpractice, then shit's going to get real ugly real quick, especially when CM Punk is such a huge person in Chicago. So I just, I, I don't see this thing going all the way. It either settles or CM Punk wins. It's going to be a weird thing, I mean. I don't know. Well, what I think is, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to what you were just saying. If this ends up where he can prove that it was malpractice and it wasn't just him blowing steam and saying stuff they probably shouldn't have said, go all the way and countersuit his or countersuit the shit out of him. Even if if that's not there, if there's any, well, I mean, that's 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 the case itself. Is is. If he was lying about it and just venting and saying stuff, you know, saying I was going to die, but that wasn't true. If there is truth in that, then, yeah, I, th- that guy's dumb. He shouldn't even brought it to court. Uh, either way, I would – I don't know if I'd take a settlement because it's just going to make him look like a chump. Uh, it's, it's, it, I'll kind of relate to this, and we can talk about this since it was later on, but the whole Enzo Amore thing, you know, uh, what Enzo should do next – in this situation, since there was such little evidence and the girl, and I honestly, I don't know, he was proven innocent. So I'm just going to go based on that. A lot of evidence showing that she was, you know, um, gloating two people that was shown through uh, text messages and stuff like that about hooking up with Enzo and stuff like that. So it all came back in her face. The thing is, if stuff like that happens, you have to counter sue them to really look like, I was innocent, because if you don't, it looks like you just won. And to me, you know, kind of relating this now more to the Enzo Moore stuff, with his rap, I don't, I, I don't, I listened to that, 
not only is it horrible rap music, but I mean, uh, what the hell did he say about his own member? I don't remember. Oh, I didn't mean to rhyme, but anyways. Oh my God. Great, man. Honestly, I don't think he did it. I think that there was a lot of stuff that was said, and, you know, with the MeTube movement, there's a lot of great stuff going on, and then you have situations like Stan Lee and Morgan Freeman, which to me is like, whoa, this is becoming scary a little bit. With him, with Enzo, just related to that, um, he was that was all thrown the hell out. I mean, he was uh, given uh, innocence. I would not make a fucking rap song talking about my penis. Uh, shortly after that, I would be suing this chick and getting her back for destroying your wrestling career, dude. You were getting pretty high for not having a lot of skills. Um, I still think he's the illegitimate son of Diamond Dallas Page, and we'll find that out soon. Jersey's a very small place. Um, that was a joke. Um, but I don't know. I mean, even with CM Punk, it's like take this to the limit and get this guy if, if that is true. If, if he malpracticed, if there was a satisfaction that your life was threatened and you were one of the top athletes for that company, take that, take that guy down. I was about to use some more curse words, but I'll try to, like, calm myself back. But do you understand what I'm saying, Chris? Prove your innocence. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, I mean, prove your innocence. And, and as far as the Enzo thing goes, yeah, putting out a rap song about it, that may be as far as he takes it. That, that could just be a blowing off steam. It's also how you end up in another lawsuit with a defamation of character. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, it's like doing a podcast um, and bitching about something. Uh, yeah, so I, I I don't know. I'm just going to steer clear of that one completely. Um, the real one, he's out there doing rap music. You guys can check that out. That's, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that. Um, he's the rising phoenix, and he has a consensual penis, apparently. Take it for what it is. Uh, the way I see it is, yes, he probably was. Uh, I think Jim Cornette actually said this best, and I normally tried to steer clear of Jim Cornette quotes, but he's like, if you're doing shitty things, hanging around shitty people, shitty things are going to happen to you. And I think that was totally the situation, is that, Enzo was probably drinking and hanging around people he should not have been hanging around with, and that will get you in trouble, whether you did something or didn't do something. Probably still is. People are scheming. They're always scheming, especially if you're somebody that's got money. Um, as shitty as that is, like, a lot of times, that's what happens to people. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a Me Too movement situation. I mean, it could be like... Uh, I slipped and fell, or you could have, what is it, like, uh, what the hell happened to uh, Chris Brown, where, like, two girls stole, like, $30 million worth of jewelry from him? Like, if you have a lot of money and you're a high-profile star, probably steer clear of people you don't know best as possible and, and don't get drunk and just hang out with randoms that you have no idea who they are because it could be after your shit. It's probably not the nice thing to say, but like, hey, if I had a lot of money, I definitely would not be going to Sweetwater Bar and Grill and hanging out with a bunch of people I didn't know. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree with you. 
like, don't go to the cheetah and have, like, 18 strippers come back to your house. Not that strippers are bad people or anything of that nature. It's just you don't know any of them, and you're giving them money to come back to your very expensive house. So if shit ends up missing, kind of on you. Use your fucking head. Um, so my advice would be, yeah, use, use your head. Don't don't put yourself in these situations if you're a high-profile character in general. And also, don't like, don't rape people. That's terrible. Oh yeah, that, I should, mean, go that, with, that, should, a, that should go without saying. But I'm gonna throw that out there because I don't want people to get what I'm saying fucking twisted. I'm just saying, don't be a dumbass and don't hang out with suspect-ass people if you're high-profile or if you're medium-profile. Or if you're nuke-warm. No, I, I agree with you, man. And obviously, don't fucking take advantage of women. Don't don't drug them. That's disgusting. That's horrible. But at the same time, and, and uh, yeah, I, I understand. Rich athletes have to worry about this and stuff like that. You know, I'm sure it's across the board. But don't take advantage of fucking people. Don't make up some bullshit and try to expose them and destroy their career. Enzo Moore, regardless of whatever the hell he thinks he's going to be doing – Coming up, I mean, he was getting pretty big in WWE, and because of that, well, it's because he actually didn't tell. <laughs> that was the reason. But still, this all this all came about. If he thought it was bullshit to begin with, and he didn't tell WWE that, and then it got all the exposure because of his popularity and his fame, that one girl destroyed his career. You know, and if he's innocent. That fucking that sucks. That that really does. That 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 sucks. So um, it does. It, it's kind it, of very similar sucks. to the doctor. That if the doctor really didn't do anything that bad, and CM Punk said that, then CM Punk deserves it. You know, I mean, you're 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 screwing up that guy's career. That's all. I don't know. I we'll see what happens from the real one. It is a a world star hip hop dot com exclusive. You guys can go check that out on the world's world star. Um, you don't have to. But yeah, it's 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 just a weird. That, that entire situation has been weird from day one, and uh, not from the accusation, the fact that he didn't tell anyone. It seemed shady. Then he didn't talk on Twitter for two months, which is probably very very smart. Um, being in his situation, but just just hey kids, hang around nice people. Don't get blasted to bars and meet up with random chicks. Like, just put your head on your shoulders. Um, okay, so in more positive news, <laughs> Yoshi is departing from stardom and headed to the WWE. Yoshira, who is considered the biggest woman's wrestler star in Japan, looks to be headed to the WWE. Tokyo Sports reported in Monday's newspaper that Shira would be going to WWE. Final show with stardom would be June 17th. Sources close to her have confirmed the story, and she also has a farewell out there. So this is going to be a thing. She was named the Japanese Women's MVP in 2015, 2016, and 2017. She has had some absolute bangers of matches with Kerry Hojo. Um, she had a heart issue discovered, basically like a small murmur, if I remember remember correctly, in WWE rescinded an offer. She was offered before even Carrie Zane was a contract. She's been cleared completely and she is heading over there. 
Um, she just lost the title to Momo. I'm going to try to pronounce his last name. Please don't slaughter me. Yes, I do know who she is. It's Momo Watanaba, I want to say. And I'm trying to pronounce it properly. She's had a bunch of matches with her. She's done tag matches with her. She's had singles matches with her. Yes. Um, But her losing the title pretty much ensures that she will be going there. Uh, And then Tony Storm also signed a UK contract with WWE. And... WWE has also made offers to other stardom wrestlers, uh, specifically with the Mae Young Classic coming again this summer. So they are doing another one of those. And the stardom five-star tournament has lost several wrestlers who were originally supposed to be a part of it. So stardom's taking a big hit. They're bringing in, uh, you know, such great talent as uh, Moth from the Flats, my favorite session Moth. <laughs> but... WWE is signing people left and right for both Stardom and ICW. Dane, have you seen Io Shira, and how excited are you for her? And besides her, how excited are you from possible new female superstars, and do you think this is NXT's way of reloading the roster after moving people like Asuka and Ember Moon and uh, soon, probably very, very soon, uh, Carrie Zane and uh, the female from Sanity, who I cannot think of her name right now to save my Nikki life. Nikki Cross. Uh, Nikki Cross. I feel like they'll be both going to the, all of those. All of those females. Well, two of them are already on the main roster, but obviously two more will be headed to the main roster. Do you think this is a way that they're restocking their brand? And how do you feel about it? And how do you feel about? Poor Stardom, who is basically single-handedly getting all of their talents stole by WWE at this point. If I was WWE, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't think they're going to do this. I just buy Stardom. <laughs> kind of like if they buy Progress, <laughs> just buy them, televise them, and build your brand, and then use those women wrestlers that are over there and keep on you know, swapping them out with NXT, send your talent that way. Maybe if you build it, you can have a stardom versus WWE and have all these female stars from that section going against Charlotte and all them. That's not going to happen. Um, I do feel bad they're losing uh, their, their, their wrestlers, but here's the thing. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what happens with Ring of Honor. That's what happens with every promotion. And they'll find other stars to take those places of those stars that leave so they can make new stars, and, you know, NXT is going to do the same thing with the stars that they have, like we just talked about. So it's, it's the circle of life, if you will, with independent and major promotions like New Japan, WWE, and I guess AAA. We can't say Impact anymore. Um, but I think, that's, I think that's good. I don't know anything about her. Um, I usually look to you for this type of information. Uh, you were the one who told me about uh, Kari Sane or Kari Hojo, what she was called beforehand. Uh, Asuka, you're the one who kind of told me to be on the lookout. So if she's supposed to be up to that level, I'm, you know, she's been praised as one of the best over in stardom, then yeah, awesome. The fact that we're going to have her and Tony Storm, who's also one of my favorites right now on the Indies, female-wise, and Candice LeRae, all within there, uh, awesome. Um, I think that they're going to need some new ones over NXT. Like we just said, okay, let's 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 think about this. Nikki Cross probably going to be going soon. Kerry Sane probably going to be going soon. I'm assuming we'll have uh, 
some type of title run. I don't think Shayna Baszler is going to be there that long. I think they're going to want to promote her with Ronda Rousey in some way. But then you look at the two other girls from the Four Horsemen. They're in right now in developmental. Um, so they're going to be coming up there soon. One of them is Roderick Strong's wife. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, the Four Horsemen of, of uh, MMA, uh, Ronda's little group. Um, they're going to be there, which is awesome. Those, I love that style. Um, I think they're going to be great. This this uh, star from Stardom, uh, she's probably going to do great. Um, maybe before her and Curry Sane kind of have like a back and forth since they already have experience. Tony Storm over there, like I said, Candice LeRae. Uh, I'm I'm blanking. Oh, Bianca Belair, I think has ridiculous potential. We're going to see a bunch of other great female competitors. Uh, probably introduced in this new Mae Young Classic, and I think more of them are going to stay long-term. So that's awesome, too. And, yeah, we, we, we need to keep on getting more talent. So what I mean by we is NXT, but that's because my it's probably arguably my favorite all-around uh, promotion to watch. Um, it, 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 it and New Japan are kind of like head-to-head. But then again, I, 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 I stay more with the Raw and SmackDown than anything else. It's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a good addition. I think some of the stars that they have coming over to NXT soon, mainly her and Tony Storm, are going to make a hell of an impact over there. And it sucks. I, 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 I'm very happy for Tessa Blanchard and her making the decision to go with Impact and admitting that she did have a chance to go back to WWE and she didn't take it. I really hope it wasn't because of replacement, which it might have been. I don't know. For me, on Classic, because I thought it was bullshit that she was out first round. But then again, her and uh, Curry Singh could have had possibly the best match out of the whole entire tournament, arguably. So she's someone that I kind of feel like was, you know, I, I, I feel like her and Rosemary need to be in WWE. Maybe I'm just being... Um, not jealous, but uh, selfish. But I think that their talent level, they're two ladies I'd like to see over there sometime soon. Um, who are not going to see anytime soon as Sexy Star. Anyways, that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really stoked for it in general just because you get the chance of EO versus uh, Carrie Zane uh, in NXT, which I think will be really, really exciting for fans. A little background on you. She did hold the Stardom Red Belt, which comes from All Japan. The name comes from All Japan, the, the single championship. It comes from there. Uh, she held that title for 546 days. She was originally signed at the same time as Carrie Zane, like I said, with the with the heart problems. Um, and then Tony Storm, if I believe correctly, held this thing for 246 days. So you kind of see a trend here with stardom, especially losing a lot of their uh, top titles. The uh, the combined days that Io held this title, she had 24 title defenses, 1,014 days as champion, which would be right up there with someone of, say, an Okada status <laughs> as far as how long um, they held the title. So uh, to put it in perspective, Kiri Ojo, Zane held the title for 119 days and had three defenses. So you're talking about a huge Japanese star, big level star, great female athlete, um, a little bit of trouble with the law. 
she did get arrested for some uh, marijuana headed in China at one point in time. But outside of that, a great performer. Don't ever do that. Maybe kids. The, maybe the next uh, maybe the next rock band damn of WWE. No, I'm just kidding. But um, all jokes aside, a uh, great female wrestler. Uh, there's a bunch of good matches you can check out. There's actually a whole page dedicated to her matches if you if you just Google search her. But the ones that I am most familiar with are the ones that get pushed up on YouTube. Obviously, the same. Samurai TV stuff gets reposted. Uh, EO, uh, EO versus Kerry on March 20th, 2017. One specific match I've watched multiple times. And uh, I would suggest watching that. Definitely check out all of her stuff. Uh, you got a good little run going from 2015 up until now. But uh, there's another one in stardom, I think back in 2006. January, some, some January the hell? Let me look through this list of matches because there's a whole list of matches. Anyways, just look at her stuff. You'll you'll find a whole highlight reel. Same way with Carrie Zane. These are really hard to remember because these are things, because getting Samurai TV in America is actually really, really hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you like Carrie Zane and you and you like Asuka, uh, I think you're very much going to like Yoshira a lot. And there's probably fans out there listening right now that would be able to point you towards direct matches, direct dates, etc. Um, maybe it's a conversation we get going on Geek Vibes Live, but uh, I think we're going to move on to the next uh, the next news item, which I think this is one that we started talking about in general on the page itself, which is you have John Cena on one side saying. The Velveteen Dream is the next guy. Or the one, as John Cena put it. And on the other side, the one. you have The Rock promoting <laughs> Ricochet. Which, to me, all hands point towards tag team match. Velveteen and John Cena versus The Rock and Ricochet. But they're not going to do that, oh. obviously. <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> but they're oh, not going to go there. So my question is... Let's get goosebumps. Why could they not both be the one? Because I think this feud that Ricochet and Velveteen Dream are having right now is the second best feud in wrestling besides Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. And then I would put, you know, Cody Rhodes and Omega kind of below that because Omega is also still feuding with Okada, so he's torn in two different places and also in a tag team thing with the Velvet, or not the Velvet, but the Golden Lovers. Um, so he's kind of split two ways, but my top two right now is definitely Velveteen Dream, Ricochet, and then <sighs> Ciampa and Gargano. So let me know your thoughts about this feud. Let me know who you think is the one, as John Cena would put it, and why can't they both be the one, I guess, <laughs> since you have two different brands, but... What are your thoughts on both of these performers? You already know my thoughts on Ricochet. Yeah, let's go. Now, um, what John Cena, I think, means, and I think you know what he means, too. I think Ricochet has a crap load of potential. Uh, I think he has a very high ceiling. I think he's a better in-ring performer, obviously, than Velveteen Dream, and that's not taken away from Velveteen Dream. That just shows you. Ricochet literally... If if his if his gimmick is inspired by The Rock, which he says mannerisms, you know, he's been called out by Tessa 
for having certain mannerisms that he does, like The Rock, and trying to do certain moves like The Rock would. That's fine, but he is Rey Mysterio Jr., which is his other biggest idol when it comes to movesets. And I love that both those guys endorse Ricochet so much. I think that's awesome. Rock's been a big fan. It only started with a small tweet that Ricochet said when he was in the Indies and The Rock whether he might have been lying or not, but he said he he was a big fan of his work and that he thinks that he has full potential. And as soon as he entered NXT, Rock said, watch that guy. He's going to make it to the top. Now, I, granted, it, it is a guy that has a lot of similarities to Rock, but so does the Velveteen Dream. Uh, actually, I think that's funny is that EC3 also reminds me of the Rock in certain ways too. So it's funny that you can see his influence on several wrestlers. Uh, but Velveteen Dream is much more natural. If Ricochet, let me put it this way, if Ricochet has like a Shawn Michaels ceiling, I think Velveteen could have a Rock ceiling. Now, Shawn Michaels is a better in-ring performer than The Rock. That's not what I'm saying. But The Rock, as far as being able to get past just a wrestling audience, draw people in, just be polarizing in that type of way, yeah, it, it, it's kind of like comparing Braun Strowman to Seth Rollins a little bit. Uh, you know, Braun might not have the best in-ring skills, He's great for his size, but he's not crazy all over the place. You know, he can do what he can do, basically. I think he has a better chance, and a lot of people disagree with me on this, than Seth Rollins is being the premier guy for the WWE, because I think Seth Rollins is great, but he's got that ceiling of a Shawn Michaels, a Bret Hart, you know, which is not bad at all. That's one of the best in-ring competitors in the company that's top. AJ Styles is another one that's like that. I'm just saying that you can't ride the company on their back because they're great in-ring performers. they got to have a little bit more dynamic than that. That's how WWE works. That's how they work. And I understand where John Cena is coming from with saying that. Now, let me just talk about that damn flip, though, between these two guys that ricocheted the Velveteen Dream. I can't wait. Like, it's already started, and I don't think it's going to end in Chicago. I think we're going to be seeing Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream for a minute. And the fact that two of my favorite old-school guys, John Cena – who I think is a better wrestler than The Rock. I'll even say that. I'm sure that's very controversial to some people, but I think it's true. I think Rock is a very crisp, very certain style wrestler. He's good at what he does. I've, and I've seen some great matches with him in it. Don't get me wrong. John Cena, I've seen him. He's pretty damn impressive. Some of the stuff that he's done and learned to try to get better is pretty damn good, and I like John Cena a lot. So regardless, if you're getting praise from The Rock, I think Ricochet feels pretty damn good about it. They were getting praise from John Cena. I think Velveteen Dream feels pretty good about that. Those are guys that are your top. I mean, they are. I mean, I hate to say it. We all know Macho Man was a better wrestler than Hulk Hogan. Ah, shit. I think that he was a better character than Hulk Hogan, honestly. I loved Hulk Hogan back in the 80s. Hulk Hogan was more polarizing. He was bigger. That Mount Rushmore, when you're talking about that, most of the time, you're talking about the most polarizing figures in the business, the guys that brought it much broader in scope to the masses. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, John Cena, Bruno San Martino, uh, Hulk Hogan. Those guys are always going to be a little bit more. And, I mean, WCW, I hate to say this, Goldberg probably was the biggest guy besides Ric Flair, obviously. Uh, but especially with the 90s, Goldberg was probably bigger than Sting. In, in a spectrum of, of popularity, guys. Not, like I keep on saying, it's not wrestling skills I'm referring to. It's, it's people outside know who the hell Goldberg is. They might not know who Sting is. I'm sure they do, but he's saying they go down to page. I think Goldberg was the most popular person in that company, maybe outside of Hulk Hogan. And then, you know, in WCW's history, 
The only person that probably beats him, I would arguably say, is Ric Flair. Ric Flair is another one of those names. But Ric Flair had the all-around package. So then I think Chris Jericho kind of almost emulates too. But do you understand what I'm saying, Chris? I'm not, I'm not trying to down Ricochet at all. I mean, Ricochet has a shit ton of potential. Um, but I think Velveteen Dream just has that aspect to him. He's already this good at the mic. He's 23. His size of his body, what he's able to do, like those elbow drops are ridiculous. Uh, I think that he has a higher potential than Ricochet, than uh, Keith Lee, uh, than Adam Cole, than EC3. And I'll even say I'm a huge fan of him, more so than Aleister Black. Aleister Black has a high ceiling. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of similarities to Undertaker. Undertaker's pretty damn known, but I still put, would not put him on that type of concept. Maybe as an all-around great in-ring performer, wrestling standpoint, yes, or a gimmick that's lasted as long, if we're talking about longevity, possibly. We're talking about, like I said, like the Hulk Hogan's, the guys that brought the dollar bills. It's a little bit different. Velveteen Dream, to me, I would agree with John Cena that he could be possibly that guy that gets people back into WWE wrestling. I would send him to SmackDown, actually, for when that premieres on Fox. I am going to go in a very similar direction to you, is I think Velveteen Dream is your complete package wrestler. But your complete package wrestler is not necessarily the best wrestler. Some would say Daniel Bryan was not your complete package wrestler, and he came into his own to become that guy. And I think that is the path that Ricochet is headed on. Um, And sometimes all it takes is a great opponent. I think in a lot of ways, Daniel Bryan's great opponent was the Miz um, for the IC title and and kind of the shit that Miz put him through um, when they were on, when when he was on, uh, whatever, it wasn't NXT, but, well, maybe it was NXT, I can't remember. More of the mid-card show uh, with Miz basically crapping on Daniel Bryan every week. It's similar, um, but for some reason, this this entire thing just screams Macho Man, Ricky the Dragon, with Ricochet being the complete baby face in every sense of the way. To the point where Ricochet is like anything you can, like Velveteen Dream literally told him, anything you can do, Velveteen can do better. And then Ricochet does a complete front flip out of the ring and says, then show me which is pretty damn great. Like those two guys right now, the amount of chemistry they have could be money for years to come. And the same way that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have been money. I don't think you need to tie them together. That's my biggest worry is don't tie them together for too long. I want to see Ricochet versus an Aleister Black. I want to see, you know, Velveteen Dream versus an AJ Styles. Um, or Ricochet versus a Braun Strowman to channel his inner Rey Mysterio Jr., which I do think is a great comparison for him, and I don't think he would be insulted by that at all. Uh, I, I think you, you made a lot of really great points, and I can't pinpoint to you which one is going to be better. I do know right now in NXT, Ricochet is getting the better of Velveteen Dream, but Velveteen Dream, I think, has a higher ceiling because of the character itself. And what he's able to do on the mic with so little and his ability to build feuds. He's been able to build feuds with whoever they've put him against in recent years. Um, including, didn't he Didn't he have a feud with Aleister Black? Yeah, uh, and that match was awesome. 
and that match was really great. And I, to me, it was one of Alistair's better matches. Not that Tommy End or Alistair Black is a bad wrestler. Uh, I think I think he's had better matches since then. The one with uh, Andreas Simonamas uh, comes comes yep. to mind. But that was a that was definitely a damn good match between him and Velveteen Dream. And Velveteen Dream can be a star anywhere you put him. And I think Ricochet is the guy that needs specific feuds, kind of more in the way of like a Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, where he's like, yes, I can have a good match with anyone. Um, even going back to Lucha Underground, his best matches were with John Morrison. Um, he's just able to light it up with certain chemistry and certain feuds in a way that surpass what you can do with Velveteen Dream. But Velveteen Dream, I think you can throw in the mix with anyone, and the character is good enough that the matches will be really good just because he's going to be able to get the match over. So it's a toss-up, but they're both fucking money. <laughs> like, they're both the best things going yeah. on NXT. As much as I love Aleister Black, my biggest worry of Aleister Black is they will fuck him up trying to make him The Undertaker when he gets to Maine. It's my biggest fear. Uh, yep. It's going to be really, really hard to fuck up and <laughs> to fuck up Ricochet or Velveteen Dream. Not saying it's impossible. Um, <laughs> anything is possible in the WWE, but those two in general, when I look at that roster, as stacked as it is, even with Adam Cole, baby, and Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso oh, yeah. Ciampa, who I think is really fucking great with Johnny Gargano, but he's got to prove me something outside of that. I, I need something outside of that feud. I'm outside of that tag team. I need, I need a little more. I think he can do it, but I, I need a little more. Um, and he, he doesn't have the size and he doesn't really have the look that say like a ricochet has, even as a smaller guy um, who has bulked up a lot, honestly, since the first time I saw him in like PWG, but in general, man, those two, when you look at the, that card top to bottom, and there's some great, like, Roderick Strong. There's some great fucking wrestlers there. Keith Lee, um, EC3. Like, there's some good damn wrestlers there. But when I look at that roster, I see Ricochet and uh, Velveteen. Just, like, those are, to me, those are your top dudes. And Well, you know, God, you know what I find impressive? It would be hard not to put them both on SmackDown and be like, let them go. I would put them both on SmackDown. I'd put Aleister Black and the Undisputed Era on Raw to kind of spice them that up. I could see them putting Lars Sullivan on Raw because they like big guys, put them on the Raw brand too. But my God, I mean, NXT right now, let's think about this. Keith Lee is about to enter. Uh, there's rumors that Jeff Cobb is going to be coming soon too. You've got the UK guys, what I think Pete Dunne kind of represents that the most, but Tyler Bates right there as well. You have the Undisputed Era, which – uh, I mean, all of those guys are incredible. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, I think, well, they've done properly, not like how they did. Uh, uh, man, I can't think of their names. Uh, the old school style tag team, Chris, uh, that's on the Revival. Raw. That's not doing shit. The Revival. Revival. As long as they don't handle like that. Bobby, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are incredible wrestlers. Uh, charismatic as hell. Then you got Adam Cole. Roderick Strong, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, uh, Aleister Black, uh, you know, and then Velveteen Dream, Ricochet. I mean, the, all these guys will be premier players soon in, in the next couple of years. Ricochet has all the potential. 
I need to see him more on the mic. Uh, I need to see him more developed on that. I need to get him uh, in control of the audience. But really makes me think about the Velveteen Dream. And like I said, Ricochet's got him in the wrestling department. There's no way. Ricochet's one of the best wrestlers, probably in top five in the world right now. Yeah, he was on. He was on my Kenny Omega. He was on. He was on our top five. He made our top five. Yeah, exactly. We did that list in 2016, and that shit hasn't changed. He's still that fucking good. Like he's still ridiculously no, good. And I, I. But you know, and being 29 is not a big deal. I just can't believe a Velveteen Dream is 22. It's only 22, man. That's insane. Uh. You know, I think he'll be 23 by the end of August. But still, that's young as hell. And the fact that for his size, I mean, the dude is how tall? 6'2". He's able to do what he does. I don't think he's someone that has to do flips and stuff like that, dives, whatnot. His style is good. But that's pretty damn impressive that a 22-year-old is that polarizing of a figure on the mic. Chris, he's lost all of his feuds he's been in. He's probably going to lose to Ricochet, but it will be like Ric Flair where he, it, it's not going to face him. I mean, you have lightning in a bottle, I think, with him. Ricochet is going to do great. And I think that if I see more with his mic skills, it might change my interpretation of that. But Velveteen Dream, he's just he's – a, he's a presence. He's like Aleister Black with that type of presence concept, but just in a different dynamic altogether. Um my God, it's it's like he sprinkled a little bit of Macho Man, a little bit of The Rock, a little bit of Ric Flair, a little bit of Rick Rude, and a little bit of Prince, and put up in a fucking blender, and poured into the six-two, good-looking dude, great body. Yeah, I I think they're both going to do great, but Velveteen Dream really does impress me as far as being a presence to reckon with when it comes to coming to Maine. I don't think either of these guys can get screwed up by Vince. <laughs> it's so sad I have to say that. There are other guys that we do have to worry about that with. You'd think Aleister Black would be fine because they're used to that type of concept, but you said it perfectly. Aleister Black goes to Maine, they fuck him over just like they do Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt wasn't even that similar to Undertaker. He was just another type of mystique-style dark figure. He's a cult leader, you know, who had, like, who's satanic, more, I guess, in the realm of, and I think I made this comparison before, like a Kevin Sullivan type of thing. You know, early Kevin Sullivan, even Dungeon of Doom, but whatever. But with Alistair, it's like if they try to, if they let him do his thing and naturally become the next Undertaker, I think he'll be fine because he already has the type of concept going for him. And what's great is that he's smaller. He's 6'1", I think. It's like Undertaker with completely different style of moves and stuff like that, which is great. It's, it's, it's fresh. But if they promote him that he's going to be the next Undertaker... And that's just the nail in the coffin, man. It's just like if they put it's, – it's the same type of con- – Adam Cole comes out, here's your next Shawn Michaels. You know how Seth Rollins is doing well? It's because his comparisons to Shawn Michaels be coming from, ex- you know, people out in the industry, wrestlers, experts, stuff like that. It's not being shoved down our throat by commentary like they did with Dolph Ziggler, which hurt him too. So I think you're right when it comes down to Ricochet and Velveteen Dreams are going to do great, and I don't think that they're going to get screwed up like, say, a Bobby Roode. Yeah, and we'll we'll see how Bobby Roode actually does 
in the near future. I'm not convinced that SmackDown's not also going to go to three hours, um, which will expand yeah. that show a lot, uh, which even points more towards the need for either pulling people up or, or, or you know, moving people out. If I was Fox, what I would try to do and try to negotiate is that one-hour show that's on, you know, FS1, do a dual air with NXT on actual the, the network itself, uh, find out a way to do that and build that as a separate brand and have that be its own brand and then have two brands on your own fucking network that NBC has no part of, and I would try to keep those stars around and build that to its own name. Um, because it's so good. The roster is so good. And I could see, the, I could see you know, Adam Cole versus Ricochet or uh, Ricochet versus uh, Aleister Black or Aleister Black versus, you know, Roderick Strong. There's so many, there's so many matches that we haven't seen yet. As far as NXT is concerned, some of these guys, like I, I'm pretty sure Ricochet and Roderick Strong have wrestled at some point. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure uh, that some of these guys have met in the ring before. And and we're not even thinking about, like, some of the other talent that they have on their roster or people that are incoming. Like, they still have... Chris Hero is still floating around, right? Yeah. Like, it's the amount of talent they have on their roster and the fact the roster is smaller and it's a tighter timetable and it's TV recorded and there's more things that they can do makes that week-to-week a better show. It, I mean, NXT is the best show in WWE right now. Um, it doesn't necessarily always have the best matches. I think that WWE, some of WWE's pay-per-view matches do surpass, but as of since WrestleMania, I think NXT has been their best product, um, hands down. And that's not just me trying to blow all these dudes or anything, but go back and watch all of the Rawls and the SmackDowns, like me and you do each week, versus each of the week's NXTs and and tell me that those are better because I, I just don't see it. And I think it's because they have more time to develop their characters. They take a longer time to develop their storyline. They don't have to worry about putting on a three hour show with, you know, an hour and a half of entertainment in quotations. Um, sometimes wrestling just works. And all you need is cool-ass people like Velveteen and Ricochet to carry the banner, or to, the, the, the Ciampa-Gargano rivalry to carry it. You don't need as much as what they try to do on Raw or what they try to do on SmackDown in a lot of cases. And I would debate with Fox that they should have just made a deal outside of that. It's like $500 million, we get NXT, and you guys give us NXT each week in the same format. And I guarantee you they would have made their money in folds because I feel like if you put that shit on major TV, it will get more views than SmackDown and Raw all the time, especially if it's promoted correctly. But that being said, I'm not a businessman. So maybe the guy that runs all of Fox <laughs> should be like, yeah, we're going to do that. We already have it written in a contract where we can get all the top stars from next on SmackDown because we gave them $1 billion over five years. So you could very much just see NXT and SmackDown merge into one thing. And I would be not surprised at all. Um, with the amount of money that's getting thrown around. So that's what makes that TV contract and stuff very interesting. And a lot of these wrestlers are very interesting and holy shit, 
Ricochet and Velveteen Dream, they're going to go for more. It's going to be more months, and they're going to eventually get stuck on the same brand, I think, in the same way that you got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I think it'll be different. Obviously, Sami Zayn had an injury, but I think you have a few that can go directly to the main roster. Uh, same thing with Ciampa and Gargano. I think they will split brands. One will go to Raw, one will go to SmackDown. Hopefully, they see enough in both Gargano and Ciampa at this point that they don't throw them down to 205 which I do think, uh, even if you do an NXT TV show, 205 Live should probably just stay on the network as a network-only thing. Um, it's just not there yet, and they don't really have the talent for it. I'd rather see a UK show than a 205. That's just my personal opinion. Any any more thoughts, Dane, before we move on, I guess, to maybe some Raw and SmackDown talk? Um. No, not really. I mean, I, I agree with you, I, especially when you were talking about 205 Live. <sighs> Man, I like the roster. And when I watched it, I'm impressed. That Cedric Alexander-Buddy Murphy match was awesome. I just can't get into it as much as NXT or Raw or SmackDown. They have, they'll have better matches, and I still feel that way. I just, um, I don't know. I kind of wish that, that stuff would just absorb into each other. Like I said, NXT, extra hour put two or five guys there for the cruiserweight division kind of two hour show put all in one basically. But now we can have matches between some of these great wrestlers and part of the same product. When most of the guys in both shows, obviously outside of like, you know, when Keith Lee comes in, Lars Sullivan, you know, most of them are around that weight class anyways. So it doesn't really matter. You know, you can have like a WCW aspect to it. I've been saying that for a very long time, but just getting down to it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about the future potential for NXT. I, I, it just goes back to Chris. I, you know, with all the greatness out of NXT, their production value, what they do, I think New Japan can put on better uh, matches, obviously, than NXT. But when it comes down to the way they present it, their camera work, uh, the way they present feuds, how it's not so stupid and silly like WWE is, and there's a lot more still there to it than, say, something like a New Japan. Um, I I still think that it it, it is a uh, a good product and could just serve itself and could just be a third brand altogether instead of just being a stepping stone. And I wish that they would send the revival. I know the revival uh, and Ty Dillinger and a lot of uh, other guys have been working with NXT on house shows. Send them back. I don't. I mean, it might look as a downgrade at first, but. If there's no room for them and that's where, where, where you're going with it, at least they can have some awesome matches. You've had Authors of Pain have been on Raw, I think, three times since they premiered on the episode after, uh, you know, when they made the brand or when they, uh, when they came. I think, I think they came before they did the shakeup. Yeah, they came on the first week after Mania. I've only seen them three or four times since then. I don't think it's just a lack of experience. I don't think they had a place to put him in the first place. So to me, especially when you watch the bar, the the Bobrick or the, the Bodal's barbecue segment, which I thought was funny and, and charming, that's their tag division right now. Um, I don't know. I'm just saying the revival doesn't need to be dicking around with that shit. I think NXT by itself is fine. I would hate it. I mean, it would bring me to watching 205 more. If you put Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny and Gargano on there, but come on, you can have so many awesome matches with other people. Just let NXT take over completely and just like challenge 
Raw and SmackDown, and then you do a freaking pay. You know, you build up some bullshit like that. Not Survivor Series. You know, to do what you did last year. But like, hey, we got better talent than you guys. We'll prove it in a pay per view, and then let that be established of its own brand. Give it two hours. Merge 205's cruiserweight division. Have the UK guys float, but if they have their own UK show, they can kind of go over there. But you can still have Pete Dunne coming over and competing. Tyler Bate. That's what I would do. But like you said, with with Fox and their money. I'm not Vince McMahon. I don't have his money. So, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, we've went over this a bazillion times. I, I just, the, the concept of a cruiserweight versus a junior heavyweight division where you can float guys in and out has never made yeah. sense to me. Because you can always wrestle up a weight class, but you can never wrestle down a weight class. You know what I mean? Like, you you can wrestle up or you can fight up a weight class. Lots of people have done that, especially in new Japan as of recent years. Like I'm not saying do exactly what new Japan does, but I'm kind of saying do what new Japan does. <laughs> make yep. it more tournament based, make interesting matches, make good storyline. Don't have as many factions for the love of God. Please don't do that. Cause there are things in new Japan. I don't like, which is the fact that like literally every wrestler is in a faction of some sort. <laughs> but their formula works um, because people get to see their favorite wrestlers all the time. And it sucks that people like Cedric Alexander, that are so talented. I have to continuously go out of my way to watch through a 205 show, like 205 live show, which is going to have, you know, three, three minute matches and then one good Cedric Alexander match for, you know, 40% of them. Um, or even a Drew Gulak match. Like, you know, most of the time it's gimmicked up in a way where it's it's four minutes long. So it's it's just frustrating because those guys are so talented and they don't get the time to work. And when you go back and watch that first Cruiserweight tournament, you see these guys actually have these matches. It's just it's ultra frustrating. And then you look at someone like Ricochet or Ciampa or Gargano, and you're like, that's almost the same weight class unless you lie about their weight. Or if you look at Finn Balor and you're like, holy shit, that dude is 205 Live. <laughs> um, Chris, Alistair Black thankfully put on 10 pounds because originally he was 205 when he first got there. I wonder why. I mean, I mean, I, I mean they're going to lie about whatever weights they want to anyways. This is wrestling forever. You can, yeah. I mean, I'm sure Rey Mysterio is like probably – I mean, he was booked at, like, 220 when he was in WWE and really buffed. So, you can uh, you can fib about that all you want. But, uh, that's I mean, I just that's why I just always liked junior heavyweight and then, you know, your heavyweight. Um, and then you had, like, super juniors if you really wanted to go, like, super lightweight and stuff. Like, I always found that more intriguing. Cruiserweight was a cool concept when it was in WCW. It's something that should have went away. Only because WWE doesn't care about it. Like, Vince doesn't care about small guys. I think he's came around to it as he's gotten talent that's been really good um, that have been smaller, like a CM Punk, or which CM Punk was not 205. But you know what I'm saying? He got smaller body guys, and they made a lot of money for him, and I think he's came around to that concept. The the 205 thing would have been cool as, like, a tournament and then just, to, like, end it at that and pull those guys the main roster and then had them wrestle for, like, U.S. title or the Intercontinental title or a European title or something they just buried that division so hard that it's it's hard to come back from. Uh, when you when you downgrade something so hard for so long and just carry it on the backs of 
Neville and Ares um, for as long as they did, it's really hard to get other people over because they seem like they're just secondary stars. And that's how I feel like 205 Live is. And maybe, like, if you get Gargano and Ciampa there, you can turn it around. It's going to be hard to do. Um, but, yeah, we're, like, way off topic now. Now we're just spitting shit. <laughs> Chris would rather a spit shit and give great passionate talks about wrestling than just kind of, you know, sleepingly go over on SmackDown like other uh, podcasts out there. Uh, anyways, uh, regardless about that, if you guys want to see a promo I did, uh, check it out on Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, you guys will like that. Um, it's just an opinion piece. That's all. Uh, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about All In. All right. Um, I'm excited about this new stipulation that's giving storyline or shaping one of the storylines, at least, for the only match that we know of, Chris, and that is whoever is the NWA champion, uh, whether it be Nick Eldis or if he loses it from now until September against Cody. But to address the situation, Nick Eldis showed up at Ring of Honor and told Cody, um, which, I mean, this, this, this kind of means it's going to happen. Um, but Nick Aldis said that the only way that he put on or put the NWA title on the line is if Cody had the Ring of Honor title himself. So now that is now the new stipulation for their match going forward. Um, as far as Dalton Castle, apparently he's had um, he's had some really bad back issues, um, and either he needs to take a break or there's a situation where he needs to have surgery or something like that. I hope it's nothing bad, but. Uh, from what I hear, his back is not doing good right now. So it looks like, realistically, Cody's going to take that title from him sometime soon. Cody Rhodes. It would be kind of fitting, almost, that Dusty's son uh, could be riding himself to have both the Ring of Honor Championship and the NWA Championship at the, at the end of his own event. But talking about that, uh, we'll kind of go into the concept that we're going to talk about this week of making what I would love to see for a match at there. I know last time we talked about this, I threw out Ray Pentagon and uh, Ray, well, Ray Mysterio, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon against uh, the elite, or maybe even I think that we spitballed Kenny versus uh, maybe John Morrison who might be going to new Japan. That's something that we really didn't talk about. I think that happened last week uh, during our off week which would be awesome. Huge fan of Johnny gimmick name. Um, great guy. Hope to have him back on the show. But those are my number one. Now my number one is involving this match, whether it be the main event or one of the big matches. I just think this is absolutely crazy. I don't think it's going to happen, Chris. But Austin Aries has been collecting a lot of belts. Hope that Austin Aries actually, maybe he drops the impact belt now and then. Maybe he doesn't have it, uh, you know, that one. Or maybe he does. I, I have no clue, honestly, if he's already had the match for the Ring of Honor TV title or not. I know that he challenged the guy not too long ago. Uh, I haven't kept up with it that well. Regardless, I kind of hope that Austin shows up NWA, challenges Nick Aldis, takes the NWA title, and the belt collector goes against Cody to try to get that Ring of Honor title, that one last part of his collection and loses, and Cody ends up getting both titles. But that's my dream match. It's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to be Nick Aldis versus Cody. But either way, how do you feel about that stipulation? Uh, does that mean Cody's going to get the Ring of Honor title? And what match would you like to see at All In? 
So I will say right off the bat, I'm kind of jaded on this because Dalton Castle is hurt. So I feel like someone will be picking up the Ring of Honor title. Um, so the storyline plays into probably Nick Aldis versus Cody Rhodes, title for title. I think you could make it a three-way. Uh, you could very much make a point for a Johnny Mundo or an Austin Aries in that match. I think it would be cool to see someone like Rey Mysterio in a three-way match, uh, maybe capture both titles or, or just be there at the very, very end of it. I do think Cody Rhodes is probably walking out as both. Um, God, as far as a match that I really want to see, I, I would love to see with both of them being on the roster, Mundo and Rey Mysterio uh, with the Lucha Underground connection kind of thing going against the Young Bucks. I think that would be absolutely very, very fun, very, very enjoyable um, and a great match. I think it would be really, really cool to see. Uh, but I, I think just because Cody having a shot at the NWA title and that match being lined up kind of already kind of stuck to the card – that's probably the one I want to see the most. Um, just to see Rhodes get his name on the NWA title again, even though it's just going to say Cody. <laughs> but everyone will know what it means. Reynolds. <laughs> so, <laughs> Cody, Reynolds. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a fun show. It's really hard finding the full lineup for this thing. Um Man, I, that, that's the thing I've had the most trouble with is finding the full lineup uh, because they're adding, pe- adding people and removing people and adding people. And uh, I also want to see uh, the Briscoes versus uh, El Phoenix. And, uh, ooh, well, I cannot think of his name right now. Man, my life is terrible. Pentagon? Uh, Pentagon Pentagon Jr., I think that would be a really, really fun match. Uh, Phoenix Pentagon versus the Briscoes. I think that would be an awesome match. I don't know if they're going to do that, but it would be a hell of a lot of fun. And I guess the biggest surprise for me would be if Jay Lethal can compete, what are they going to have Jay Lethal? Because I, I know Jay Lethal, I don't get a match with anyone. And it would be really cool to see him go against a I don't know, say Kenny Omega. Oh my God, yeah. Because I, I well, don't one have thing, anything planned for Kenny yet. I know he's Okada going, going part of the, That's the other thing is like Okada is still your dark horse in this entire thing. Does he show up in this three way and somehow win both <laughs> and walk away? Oh my God, American titles. <laughs> And then it sets you up for the match that he's going to have with Kenny Omega. And then you just let Omega defend, you know, three different titles or drop one of the titles or whatever you end up doing there. Um, I don't think they would do oh. that, but I also don't God, think now I kinda want, like a boss. Now I kind of want, I would love to see Jay Lethal and Rey Mysterio. I'd love to see Okada and Austin Aries. And if we're taking just out of guys that are already announced, if you will. Um, Okada and Rey Mysterio also sounds like a banger of a fucking match as well. Or maybe Okada, Okada and Johnny Mundo doesn't. Okada and Johnny Mundo doesn't sound bad either. Nope, not at all. God, I love indie wrestling. Especially, I just love wrestling in general, especially with the AAA background. So there's, I mean, 
Okada can literally show up and do anything, and it's going to be a good match, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, Okada versus Ric Flair. Sure. Six-star match. (laughs) (laughs) If you you think Sean could have gotten Ric Flair a great match... Uh, he's going to carry Ric Flair's dead corpse across the finish line, but it's going to be a five to six star match. Oh, Okada man. Not right. has a bad match this thing. Whoever Okada faces is, is probably, if not the match of the night, is going to be close to the match of the night, especially if they're going with the three way at the top. Like, you have so many people you could rotate in against Okada, and Okada is going to be a perfectionist on this thing because he agreed to do it. Um, Omega would make a lot of sense because I think they're already going to have their mat. Like, you could have... Yep. It would be very, very weird, but you could have a rebound match where maybe Omega wins the title and you have Okada versus Omega at this indie event. Um, so there's a lot of things that are up in the air just because of the New Japan schedule. Because um, they're going to face off before all in in the best of three, so you could even just get Okada versus Omega in this event. But I, I just don't think Gato is going to ha- let that happen. I, I would, I would think more like Golden Lovers, and then uh, yeah. is it Will Osprey that that Okada has teamed with in the past? Maybe it's something like that, or it's, it's a tag match or something. <laughs> Some reason I feel like Okada could see that match. More realistic. I could see that. I think that he should just like title versus title versus title with Okada coming out on top would be really really great for the wrestling business. I don't know, man. If you if you have a situation (laughs) where the one who's probably not the best wrestler out of the three of them, if somehow Cody beats Okada and Nick Aldis and has all three of those fucking titles, I mean that would just completely. Well, the thing is, we don't know if Omega, like you said, we don't know if Omega's going to have that title anyways, but, God, that scenario is so much fun. And, I mean, I'll just, I love, a, I mean, the, the selfish person in me wants Okada to win that, that type of case, but here's more, here's something I wanted to ask you about that's kind of related to All In. Uh, kind of segueing, if you will, outside of it. There's a lot of rumors with All In that Daniel Bryan might be involved due to his whole entire contract ending with WWE around the same time period. We would learn that the contract wouldn't be in time for him to do that, but he did tell Cody that he wanted to be a part of it. So there was a time period where this could have been a possibility. Obviously WWE has cleared Daniel Bryan since then, and he's now wrestling. Well, now we found out that PW torch um, has exposed that Daniel Bryan still has not signed on again for a contract. Um, not relating any more to all in, but specifically Daniel Bryan, Chris. We know Daniel Bryan obviously is money is not the biggest thing to him at all. So staying for WWE for that reason, compared to having matches with certain people, um, that that I think is more where his heart and his passion is. Be able to go against AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe. You know they're warming up right right now, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Keeping him away from the ladder match, we've already talked about that. Him and Big Cass, yeah, it's not the greatest concept, but I think it's a safe concept right now. I think they're building up for him and Shinsuke, him and Smojo, him and AJ, all that type of stuff will be happening within the future. Possibly him and Johnny Gargano, who's the biggest baby face, whatever. Do you think there's a possibility that Daniel Bryan comes, uh, I think it's the beginning of September when his contract's done, 
that he might peace out and go to the Indies. He would he would then become probably the biggest hot commodity on the scene if you were to do that. It's possible, but I mean, all right. So this thing is his contract ends September the twenty third, right? 2018. I don't know how he worked that into his deal unless they renegotiated his contract completely. This is the original report was that his contract even this is March 2018. Uh, I've heard so much about his contract that I don't know when it actually ends at this point. I don't know if they reworked his contract so it was a one-year deal. Uh, what? But I, I do remember that the date, September 23rd, was getting thrown out there, and then All In got announced for September 1st. So even with that being done, he would not be able to touch that event. For 90 days, there's a 90-day no-compete clause in almost every WWE contract, especially anyone who's of a large Yeah, he stature. wouldn't be able to make All In. Um, do I think that he would be the biggest thing on the planet in the indie scene? Yes, of course. Um I think he would have been even even if he, if he was able to get out of his contract originally, which I think was his goal. Um, is the question that I think that Daniel Bryan will eventually work somewhere else? And the answer to that is well, I don't really know, um, because because of Brie and her relationship with the WWE and the television shows, yeah. the amount of money they make off that. If he can still wrestle in the WWE, no matter who he wants to go wrestle, I don't know that he's ever going to leave. I don't know if that answered your question or not, but I just don't see him, unless their relationship completely sours, which I don't think it will. Uh, Hope not. Him having a kid and all, and, and they, they both seem seeming very happy as far as what I've read and what I've saw TV and all of that stuff. Uh, it's all an angle. I assume that he will. It. I would assume he holds that contract out and resigns it and wrestles in WWE until he retires, uh, or until he hits like Jericho's age and then he can go just do whatever the hell he wants because it won't matter anymore. <laughs> but I don't see him going to the Indies. But if he did go to the Indies, yes, he would be the biggest draw in the entire indie scene unless CM Punk showed up and then you have like, <laughs> yeah. a debate for either of them depending on what style you like better. I personally have always liked Daniel Bryan better than CM Punk. Uh, not because Daniel Bryan's better on the mic, just because he's a better in-ring worker and I've seen him have way better matches than CM Punk. Uh, and I'm going to get some debate over that one. I'll probably get some heat, but a bunch of Daniel Bryan matches to show you guys or Bryan Danielson matches. <laughs> so... Uh, but anyways, uh, I think that's what you're getting at. I don't know if I answered the question completely, but yes, he would he would definitely still be a huge deal for the indie scene. And something that could turn, if you wanted to start a company, if Cody wanted to start a company, he was able to get all of Elite and Daniel Bryan um, and maybe some major female wrestlers, a couple of indie tag teams, maybe Tama Tonga. I, I think you would have a huge indie federation of sorts. No, I mean that 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 bit. Oh, sorry. Hiccups. I have hiccups. That basically answered my question. 
God dang it, where did these come from? Um, but I, I, I guess, yeah, what you're saying with CM Punk is completely true. CM Punk, I don't know, because the thing is, if you think about it, CM Punk was getting huge, but was his ceiling at that level? Should he have already become big beforehand, and that probably would have projected him even bigger? Daniel Bryan got huge and was pushed by the audience very quickly, and now he's not as good as CM Punk on the mic, but he's damn good. That passion that he has, I mean, God, it's it's a weird situation. But yeah, those those would two those would be the two biggest guys I would say outside of like Okada, Omega, John Morrison, you know, those type of dudes that have been all around. The crazy thing about Okada Omega is that. You know, John Morrison, I love John Morrison, obviously. Rey Mysterio Jr., um, Austin Aries, uh, Chris Jericho to an extent. What I'm trying to say is a lot of these guys, if they're not young and -and up-and-comers, a lot of them have been through WWE, and I would still put Okada and Omega over them. Uh, They're probably – but Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, they are that level. I agree with you, though. I don't think Daniel Bryan's going anywhere. I think he's going to turn into a legacy guy. Eventually, and then we'll probably end up, you know, once he's happy with how his career shaped out, uh, much like his mentor, Sean, the second half will, you know, eventually I think he'll be drawn to whether it be the Performance Center in Orlando or wherever they are at that time, teaching the next, you know, round of talent and trying to get that aspect of of coaching, if you will, in a way done Um, and maybe do before that pull Chris Jericho where you're like, hey, I'm, I'm a legacy guy. I, I can do whatever. Rey Mysterio kind of has that quality to him a little bit too where, you know, they, they can come back to WWE. WWE knows that there's someone they can rely on on some type of, you know, big event like the, the greatest Royal Rumble or whatnot. Um, but they can do their own thing. They've earned that with the company where the company respects them enough to let them go off. And I think they're already like that with Daniel Bryan. Who knows? I don't know what Triple H is saying in Daniel Bryan's ear. He's obviously been around, probably knowing where the company's direction is going more so than he did beforehand. Um, maybe there is some stuff, you know, some some crossover potential that he sees that maybe that's how he can get out there to wrestle a certain other person that he's not able to right now, if you get what I'm saying. Um, and maybe he does see a lot of potential in being able to go against AJ Styles in this format, Samoa Joe in this format, because obviously he's faced them before. Um, uh, Seth Rollins in this format. You know, all those type of guys that he's worked with before in the past that he can have fantastic matches. And Shinsuke, one of the reasons why he came to WWE was to work with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, that's one of his top guys that he's been wanting to work with for years. There's also the concept that if you have Daniel Bryan there, you have more wrestlers from the indie scene, I would say, that want to make it there so they can possibly go against Daniel Bryan. I mean, he's, I'm not going to say he's the indie god, but he is one of those guys that's looked at like that, like uh, CM Punk, like AJ Styles, like Samoa Joe, you know, those first guys that were in Ring of Honor and uh, TNA, probably at the beginning stages of that, that really influenced a lot of other people. Christopher Daniels, too, to an extent. Um but yeah, uh, don't exactly know where I was going with this. Uh, but do you have any other thoughts or statements about that? 
No, I just think it's it's way more likely that you see CM Punk in a New Japan ring than you see Daniel Bryan in a ring outside of WWE. Um, yeah. And, and it's more just because they cleared Daniel Bryan. Because if you would have asked me this question back in January before the clearance, I would have said Daniel Bryan's totally going to fucking leave. <laughs> You'll totally see Daniel Bryan wrestle again somewhere else. But they righted that, and now I, I just don't see Daniel Bryan going anywhere. I really, I really, really don't. I do see CM Punk getting in with the Elite and possibly doing something, especially if Omega wins the title, doing something really cool in New Japan. Uh, I could definitely see that. Um, especially if he's getting hit up enough by people that he actually sees as friends or people that he likes. Uh, yeah. I, I just, the big thing with Daniel Bryan is, and it's not against, it's not saying anything negative against Bree. Don't be like, the reason I'm ruining all your fantasy bookings as Bree is that he is married. He has a kid. He has a network, two network TV shows, basically outside of wrestling. Um, the guy's doing fine money wise. And he doesn't necessarily need to go to New Japan. And even if he had an opportunity to go to New Japan, the amount of money that he would probably ask for would be absurd. We'll say that because he knows that WWE is going to pay him an absurd amount of money to stay. Just because yeah. of the name value. So that's that's no. kind of how I feel about Daniel Bryan. And, uh, I agree. I just wish they would let him do a little more. I think he's capable of a little more, and they've been kind of protecting him a little bit. But uh, we'll they're, see. They're not. I think they're nervous, though, and I, I get that. I mean, all of us are really scared. I, I'm sure, to an extent, it's Daniel, too. I mean, Sean was really nervous. He only wanted to do a one-off match, and it ended up him getting more and more comfortable. That brought out, you know, all the crazy shit that he did at the later part of his career. But um, at the end, I kind of, you know, we have a couple more minutes to wrap up. I'm just going to go down um, – and state, we'll go more into this next week, but I just want to just know your your uh, reaction about the card so far for NXT uh, TakeOver Chicago 2. We got Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa in a street fight. Aleister Black, who's the champion, versus Lars Sullivan for the NXT Championship. Nikki Cross versus Shayna Baszler for the uh, women's title. And uh, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly representing the Undisputed Era versus Danny Burch and Oni Lurkin for the Tag Team Championship. And, of course, the match that we were talking about, Velveteen Dream versus Ricochet. No Adam Cole on the thing yet um, for the North American title, but who knows if he's going to go into Pete Dunne for a title versus title type of thing, or maybe they keep off the U.K. guys, or Pete Dunne comes out and screws up Roderick Strong during his match, or maybe he goes against EC3, who's not on the card. War Raiders are also not on the card. I could see them potentially having a match. They were awesome uh, last night. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just list who I think potentially is going to win. Pass it to you. You tell us your thoughts. Then say goodbye to everyone. We'll wrap up the show. Uh, for the Gargano Champa, I think that Johnny Gargano is going to win that. Alistair Black is going to retain. Shayna Baszler is going to retain. And, uh, unfortunately, the Undisputed Error is going to retain. The only person I could see maybe getting something differently would be Nikki Cross. What do you think, Chris, about uh, TakeOver? I think Nikki Cross picks up the title. I think Aleister Black beats the hell out of Lars Sullivan because she the hell gives a, shit at, like, gives a shit about that match in general. 
Uh, Undisputed Era is going to retain, and I think Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream will be the match of the night, and I also think that Velveteen Dream probably will win, um, just to really? continue to build that feud. And I'm going to go with Ciampa getting a win in the street fight because I don't feel like they're done with that feud yet. Oh, but right. I yeah, also I think forgot this about is, Velveteen Dream. This, yeah, this is the Ciampa I'll Gargano. Say, I'll match. say Ricochet. The third, third, the third match. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Ciampa probably gets a win here if they're going to continue to build this feud. But uh, yeah, I think the stars of the night definitely going to be Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. They're going to put on one hell of a match unless they have Larsol and Chubb like a giant respond them again. Um, it's going to be the best. Let's hope not. All right, well, say goodbye to everyone tonight, Chris. We had a great show. Yeah, man, busy show. Sorry for the audio issues we had. Fuck you, Blog Talk. Uh, Love you, Blog Talk. Uh, Everybody, have a great week. Love you guys. Peace out. All right, and uh, thank you guys for tuning in once again to a great show of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Check out everything Geek Vibes. Uh, Geek Vibes Network over on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Check us out. Join the conversation. We appreciate everyone out there. And, of course, you guys have a great night. Here's, a, here's our friend, Mr. Jeff Jarrett. Listen up, Flatbuds. This is the king of the mountain, Jeff Jarrett, and you're listening to the Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Peace out, people.